Well, good morning. Welcome to uh, Essential Truths of the Christian Faith. We are going through uh, R. C. Sproul's book, which I suggest that if you're like interested in really digging deep into trying to learn some of the things that why we believe what we believe, uh, this is a really good book. Um, if you have not been in this class before today um, and haven't seen it, it's really easy. It's like a every chapter is only one or two pages long, um, pretty brief, even though some of the subjects can get pretty deep. Uh, R.C. Sproul does a pretty good job of explaining it. And uh, just so you know, this class is really just an overview. Um, of course, welcome any conversation or comments or questions um, as we go through it, but it's flying high, real, real quick stuff. Um, knowing that each, each subject that we talk about, of course, we could talk about for months and months on their own, but the purpose of this class is just for, for us to become familiar with, uh, with these truths. My name is Sean Watson, and uh, I don't know, how do I introduce myself? Uh, I'm an auto worker, if that helps. <laughs> Work at General Motors uh, for 23 years. I'm married to my wife, Donna. We have four grown boys and three grandchildren. And we've been here at FCC, I think we were just saying, this is our third year here. And... Um, just love it here. This is a really great place. Really good, great place. So let me uh, start us off with prayer, and then we will dive into uh, some doctrines about the Holy Spirit. All right. Father God, we just thank you so much that uh, we can gather together in your name, and uh, we have the freedom to do that. Lord, we pray that you would uh, that you would guide us through this, help us to understand even deeper as we talk about you. Lord, help us to know you uh, more and more and have a desire to seek after you more and more. Lord, I pray that you would keep our conversations uh, without error. And Lord, that you would uh, be with us as we, as we dive into this. And it is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Uh, these are the subjects we're going we're to cover. The deity of the Holy Spirit, the personality of the Holy Spirit, the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit, and the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting, just uh, as, on a personal note, when Brent asked me if I would do this, um, not that it was intimidating, but I would have to say that as a Reformed um, Christian, the emphasis on the Holy Spirit really isn't something that we really dive into. It's not that we don't know about the person of the Holy Spirit, but... We definitely don't take the, um, the avenue or the belief of, say, Pentecostal beliefs and stuff like that, where they focus on the Holy Spirit in a, in a, in a wrong way, and they, they know him in, a, in an unbiblical way. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't, we shouldn't seek to know more and more about this person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And uh, so, although I felt ill-equipped at the time to actually do this, um, it was great to dive in to a little bit of, of get a better understanding um, of how it is that we should relate, uh, communicate, and worship and obey the Holy Spirit. So the first one is the deity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, R.C. Sproul talks about how in the liturgy of the church, we ascribe to the deity of the Holy Spirit. It says, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. And so we know that within the Trinity that we, the Holy Spirit is a person. And the, and the deity of the Holy Spirit has actually never really been much of a debate. I mean, if I guess if you come out of a Jehovah's Witness background, you might question that. They believe that the Holy Spirit isn't a person. They believe it is a force, much like lightning or a power. Whereas traditionally throughout Christian history, it's never really been debate, you know, much of a debate. Like the deity of Christ is an ongoing debate, um, not really with Orthodox Christianity, but there's always those, those questions and people bringing up those, um, well, at least their, their reasoning for it. So while the deity of Christ has been debated for centuries, the debate and the debate continues today, the deity of the Holy Spirit is generally accepted in the church. Uh, possibly because the Holy Spirit never took human form, and so that's probably why there's no debate as to that. The Bible clearly represents the Holy Spirit as possessing divine attributes and exercising divine authority. Uh, the Old Testament ascribed divine attributes and authority to the Holy Spirit. Uh, consider Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Also, the expressions God said and the Spirit said, or the Holy Spirit said, are used often, in, like, not necessarily interchangeable, but you see it, it's, it's the same, it has the same power and the same authority in the Old Testament. The New Testament assigns divine attributes to the Holy Spirit. Consider Acts 5, 3 through 4, where Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God. And so we see in Scripture that there is no, there is no change in authority. There is, there is, no, there is no difference. And, and hopefully we all understand that as Christians, that while we say God the Father is God, Jesus the Son is God, the Holy Spirit, the person, is God. They're all equally God. Any thoughts on that? I, this is, this is a, a lot better than our last deal where I had to do eight chapters. <laughs> so um, if there's any comments or questions uh, while we're doing this, please, please feel free to chime in or, or ask. I mean, I know there's a lot of people in here that can answer questions if you have them. Okay, uh, a couple more passages of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. The Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And in Psalm 139, 7 through 8, Where can I go from your Spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend unto heaven, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. So the Old Testament and the New both speak to the deity of the Holy Spirit. We have a quiet group today. All right. Let's see where we're at here. Okay, the personality of the Holy Spirit. Moving pretty fast here. Are you sure you guys don't have any questions? All right, the personality of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13. Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, 
he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force, much like we said, that is, Je that is a Jehovah's Witness belief, that there is no trinity, God, Jehovah, is God alone, you know, that conversation about Jesus is a whole other long conversation in, in Jehovah's Witness circles, but the Holy Spirit, like I said, is a force in their, in their <coughs> eyes. We believe that he is a person. Scripture uses personal pronouns when referring to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a real and distinct person and not an impersonal force. It is possible to enjoy a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This, here's, the, here's a question I have for everyone. When we pray, do you ever pray to the Holy Spirit? Any thoughts on that? Well, I thought the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Yeah. But we don't we pray to God the Father Exactly, yes, you're, that's right. R.C. Sproul will go on later to say that is it, is it wrong to pray to the Holy Spirit? You're praying to God. You know, so it's not wrong to pray to the Holy Spirit. It's not wrong to have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're having a personal relationship with God the Father, with God the Son, you're having a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. I, just, I feel, personally, as I, observe, as I have observed the church and how the church acts, I'm not, like I say, I'm not talking about charismatic churches. Um, and I, admittedly, my experience in church has been mostly limited to the Southern Baptist Church. But we, we tend to not put as much emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And maybe that is out of, maybe that's out of a reaction to how the Pentecostal Church has ascribed things to the Holy Spirit that aren't true and not real. Um, but we have not necessarily diminished him, but maybe as a second thought, which, which, isn't, which isn't a right way of looking at the Holy Spirit. Um, to have communion with someone is to enter into a personal relationship with him. Uh, we are called not to sin against or grieve the Holy Spirit, um, and impersonal forces can't be grieved, by the way. Uh, it, is it is appropriate to pray to him, R.C. Sproul says, his role in prayer is to assist in expressing ourselves adequately to the Father as the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer, just like you said. Uh, any, th any thoughts on all of that? What yes. is that last scripture? The last scripture is 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Spirit comforts, guides, and teaches the elect. These activities are done in a manner that involves intelligence, will, feeling, and power. All attributes we would ascribe to a person, not a force or a thing. Um, he searches, selects, reveals, comforts, convicts, and admonishes. Only a person can do these things. Uh, the response of the Christian, then, is not mere affirmation that such a being exists, but rather to obey, love, adore the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to be worshipped and obeyed. And like, like I said before, when Brent asked if I would do these chapters, 
um, I had to take a step back and think, you know, if, if I have a debate or a conversation with someone um, who's a non-Christian about Jesus Christ, I feel very equipped to be able to defend the deity of Christ and the person of Christ. Uh, if I'm going to have a conversation about the Father, um, I feel very equipped theologically, you know, to be able to make those make those arguments or to make those statements because we don't put so much emphasis on the person of the Holy Spirit or at least in in the circles that I have been in I, I didn't feel necessarily equipped to be able to defend that other than through you know reasoning and not really necessarily through scripture so I, I think it was really good to be able to dive into this book, which I really hope that you would all, you know, consider getting. It's a really, it's a really great book. Um, very simple, but I, lo I love the way R.C. Sproul, and you know, many others. I mean, we, you have a book by Dr. John or Dr. Wayne Grudem, or any of these people who write systematic theologies that are from a Reformed perspective. I mean, you really get an understanding of who the Holy Spirit really is, instead of the Myths that bleed over from charismatic churches, or maybe any, some experiences that that we may have had. Um, I haven't been in the charismatic church, but uh, I work at General Motors, and inside the General Motors building, there are so many different denominations and so many people with different beliefs. And one of the major major denominations or groups are represented by charismatic churches, and I get a lot of conversations with with folks that are in that, um, unfortunately, I think, within a heretical church, and their views of the Holy Spirit are kind of crazy sometimes. So I think some of that kind of kind of can, can kind of bleed over because we don't really emphasize teaching on that. So hopefully this is helpful. All right, the next one is the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read a passage, Acts chapter 5, 29 through 32. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him in his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. For testimony to be credible, a witness must be credible, right? If we're in a court of law and somebody brought forth a psychopath as a witness, is that a credible witness? Are you going to trust that testimony? Well, I wouldn't, but yeah, no, we shouldn't. But if God is our witness, if God's testimony proclaims something, is there any more trustworthy or credible testimony than that of God himself? Of course not. That was uh, rhetorical. Of course it's not. Of course he's not. So... The Bible, um, the testimony of God is completely trustworthy. When God testifies to the truth of something, his witness is sure. His testimony is altogether unimpeachable. Testimony that has God as its author cannot fail. It is, in fact, an infallible testimony. The trustworthiness of God's testimony is what once prompted Luther to declare that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is no skeptic. The truth that the Spirit reveals are more certain than life itself. And the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit 
helps us to understand like what scripture is speaking to us and, and whether something is true to testify to its nature. Um, I have a small personal story that I'm going to talk about in the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Um, I couldn't decide which one to tell it under because both of them are very similar. But um, you'll, you'll see what I mean by how people take the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit if they're in the wrong circles or have a wrong view of the Holy Spirit um, to an extreme. And um, it's actually pretty sad because it's way more common, unfortunately, in America. That view of the Holy Spirit, that view of Christianity is way more common in America than, than the circles we, we run in here, the church that we worship in. All right, the Bible, the Bible offers objective evidence that it is the Word of God. 2 Peter 1, 21 for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We are not fully persuaded of the truth of Scripture, by the way, without the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? I remember uh, I was not raised in the church. And I remember as someone in my 20s, I would occasionally pick up the Bible to try to read it. Well, and unfortunately, I was trying to pick up the book of Revelation and try to read it as an unbeliever. And the only way that I can explain it, and it has been the best explanation that I can think of, is, is when I was a kid, you could get invisible ink, and you'd have a marker, and you would write on a piece of paper any word you wanted to write, and nothing showed up. And that is almost, in my mind, what it was like to try to read Scripture without the Holy Spirit. But in that little packet came another little marker that you could rub over the top of whatever you wrote, and all of a sudden it revealed exactly what was being said. Um, I don't know, some crazy little spy kit or something that came in a box of cereal, I don't know. But that was kind of how it was. I tried to read scripture prior to salvation, but when I was saved and God's spirit came to dwell within me, he made things clearer. It was actually quite amazing when it happened. And we can read scripture and we can look through scripture and we can come to all kinds of conclusions. But without the Holy Spirit to guide us and to reveal to us the truth of scripture, we, we often or most often will get it wrong. And I think that if we look through history, we can see where unsaved people trying to lead people through scripture would lead them down some crazy paths. Um, modern history, you know, um, Jonestown and um, David Koresh, and I mean, it's just uh, it's, history just just shows that if you don't have the Holy Spirit to to guide you through that truth, you can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't know for sure. But yes. I was thinking uh, when you were talking about that uh, about uh, Josh McDowell. He was an atheist. He set out to. Uh, refute the Bible and refute the existence of God and in his search and research he became a, a very uh, adamant believer and uh, wrote the, the book uh, Evidence Demands Verdict which has been around a long time and been rewritten and updated by his um, Sean yeah. and then uh, the other one is Lee Strobel 
he was, uh, he's a very um, intellectual guy. And also, he, he set out to just create the Bible. And he is um, a very strong believer. And I'm pretty sure he's a professor at a Christian college. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And his wife became a believer before he did. Yeah. That, he, he saw the change in her. He, that's, I think that's what made him interested in studying to see you know, if this is really real or not. Yeah, I, 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 I know the story, and it really is, they, the, both of those stories are really great stories. Um, I actually got to meet Lee Strobel one time at a conference. That guy's got a lot of energy. <laughs> um, I, I love sci-fi sci stuff, so I watch sci-fi movies and read sci-fi stuff, and um, it's interesting how much sci-fi stuff is written by using scripture incorrectly. Uh, as an example, as an example in the Old Testament, uh, what's it? Is it Ezekiel, where they see the the wheels in the sky and and all this stuff? Of course, unbelievers will say, "See, the Bible even talks about aliens." I mean, you can come to all kinds of crazy conclusions if you don't have the Holy Spirit to guide you into truth, to testify to the truth of God's word. Which we're going to actually jump into more of that. Uh, on the last section when we talk about the illumination of the Holy Spirit. But let me, let me get, on, get on this real, real quick. Uh, John Calvin taught that even though scripture, scripture manifests clear and reasonable signs of their divine authority and exhibits sufficient evidence of their divine origin, these evidences do not fully persuade us until or unless they are sealed to our hearts by the inward testimony of the Holy Spirit. John Calvin recognized the difference between proof and persuasion. And I think that, uh, I think that we can see uh, if, uh, I don't know if you all read a lot of uh, commentary on different, different passages, and you, know, you can read through the commentary of the book of John and everybody's pretty much saying the same thing, but when you start reading through the commentary and say, the last half of Daniel or Ezekiel or you're looking through Revelation, that commentary can be complete opposite of each other. And it makes you wonder, are these people relying on reason and, wisdom and you know, manly wisdom, or are they relying on guidance from the Holy Spirit to come to these conclusions? Uh, unfortunately, I think some of, some of those things are pretty hard for us to grasp, even with illumination. But... Um, I just think we can see where people try to go off on, on their own little tangents. As a matter of fact, there was a, there was a guy, his name, Rob Bell. Do you remember Rob Bell? Rob Bell? So when I was first a Christian, he had a lot of videos out for youth. And for the most part, those videos were fairly accurate theologically. And then all of a sudden, one day, Rob Bell goes off and says, well, there's no such thing as hell and there's no such thing as eternal punishment and damnation, where does he come to these conclusions? The guy seemed somewhat, not all the way, but somewhat on target with his thinking. Obviously, he wasn't relying on the testimony of the Holy Spirit as he read through Scripture and prayed and meditated through God's truth. And I think that we can see that in a lot of, a lot of people. Um, they rely on their own wisdom and their own understanding instead of relying on God, the Holy Spirit, to guide us through, through truth.
All right, the doctrine of the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit is not a license for believing whatever we feel to be is true. The internal testimony of the Holy Spirit is not a flight into mysticism or an escape into subjectivism where personal feelings are elevated to the status of absolute authority. Once again, unfortunately, having many conversations with Pentecostals, this is their... This is their MO. This is how they view uh, truth is based on feeling and based on experience instead of based on uh, facts, instead of basing on, based on the truth of the Word of God as the Holy Spirit reveals only God's truth. Um, and we're going to get into that in the next one. But before we go to illumination of the Holy Spirit, anybody have any more comments or questions? wonder if this tape recorder is <laughs> picking up the nothing. Seriously, you guys have any, any, uh, any thoughts? We're going to get done way early here. Okay. The illumination of the Holy Spirit. Illumination refers to the Holy Spirit's assistance in helping us understand and apply Scripture. Not every part of Scripture is equally clear to our understanding. Um, there are, there are a lot of things in Scripture that are going to remain mystery until, of course, we are face-to-face with our Creator. But um, even the hard stuff, we can come to an understanding. But what does that require? It requires study, but it requires reliance on God the Holy Spirit to guide us to that truth, doesn't it? Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, but... The effect of sin upon us is to shroud our mind in darkness. And though scriptures themselves are a light for us, there is a need for additional illumination so that we may clearly perceive that light. Illumination is the work of the Holy Spirit. He helps us to hear, receive, and properly understand the message of God's word. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11 says, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, no ear, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of the man within him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit who knows the innermost thoughts of God. Illumination is not to be confused with revelation. And um, I know it seems like I'm bashing the Pentecostal church up here, but it just seems way too relevant of an example or way too relevant of a bad example of the view of the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It is commonplace today, unfortunately, to hear people speak about private revelations they have claimed to receive from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's work in illumination is not the supplying of new information or fresh revelation beyond those found in Scripture. Does that make sense, what I just said? Okay, so, so now, now my story. So I had the opportunity years ago to uh, talk with a young man who was in the Pentecostal church. And um, I had just happened to be taking a class in seminary about Christian doctrine. And I just happened to be 
We just happened to be talking about the doctrine of the Word of God. And he came up to me and asked me, Hey, Sean, would you like to sit down with me and help me understand a few things because I'm being called into ministry? And I said, Yeah, I absolutely would. And I thought, Where do we start? Well, I know that he's a Pentecostal uh, young man, and I know that his understanding of the Holy Spirit, his understanding of the Word of God is a little bit different than mine. So let's start with that and see what he thinks. And we went through the sufficiency of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture. And as we got through that, he said, well, i got to tell you, I don't think that I need to know Scripture as well as, say, a pastor or something, uh, because I've been called to be a prophet. And I said, oh, um, why, why is it that you think that? And he said, well, I don't really need to know the Word of God because God speaks to me personally, and that's the Word of God. And I honestly didn't really know how to deal with that at first, other than to go back to what I was learning in doctrine about the necessity for the Word of God. People nowadays say, well, I believe God was telling me that I needed to do this, or I needed to say this, or I needed to go here, or I needed to whatever, fill in the blank. But the Holy Spirit will never tell us something that is contrary to the Word of God. And I tried to explain that to him, that if you're a prophet, which we of course know that he's not a prophet, but if you're a prophet and God is telling you something, how would you check that? How would you know that it's God talking to you and not the other guy, right? You have to know the Word of God to do so. Because even though God's Holy Spirit may speak to us in our innermost, right? We'll never con contradict Scripture. God will never tell us something that is different than what He has already revealed through His Holy Word, because His Holy Word is complete. Unfortunately, He refused to agree with me, and we stopped meeting. Uh, we still remained friends, and I tried to be some sort of influence to Him. But unfortunately, the idea that the Almighty God is speaking directly to you is just too powerful him, powerful for him of a maybe a temptation or an influence for him to take seriously the idea that that's not how the Holy Spirit works. I think it's really important that we understand, um, and I, I hear R.C. Sproul say this in his lectures, that a lot of people will say that God can do anything. I mean, the reality is, is, God has limitations. He cannot violate who he is. And God will not contradict himself in what he has already said. And um, I should probably still be praying for this, this guy. Um, it's been years. but So Reformed Christianity uh, emphatically denies that God is giving a new revelation today. The Holy Spirit never teaches contrary to his word. And uh, I'm going to finish with John 16, 13 through 15. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is pretty clear that the Holy Spirit's purpose is to glorify the Son through the Word of God. Uh, 
was really interesting. Um, I had seen a diagram for the economy of God, and I thought, the economy of God, what does money have to do with it? That's not what it is. Um, and the way, the way that I saw it was this. You have God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God sent the Son, the Son ascended, he sent the Spirit. The Spirit glorifies the Son as the Son glorifies the Father. And in that, is, I think it's a kind of an elementary kind of understanding of something that's way more complicated for us to even grasp in our finite minds. But it kind of sees that we, we can't ask the person of the Holy Spirit to violate who he is. If his, if his purpose is to glorify Christ and to illuminate the truth of Christ in, his, in God's word, then we can't expect that he's going to do something contrary to that, right? And I think if we, and I really believe that we should spend a lot of time um, learning who God is and every, every aspect of who God is, every attribute that God has, um, to know him deeply. I mean, was it not Paul that said that, and I'm paraphrasing, is his only desire was to know Christ and to know him you know, more, to know him crucified. And to know, to know God fully is to best understand what God's desire is, not only in, in the whole history of salvation, but for you as a, as a follower. Uh, I heard, uh, or I read in um, uh, A.W. Tozer's little book, The Knowledge of the Holy, uh, and I'm going to butcher this quote like crazy, but... Essentially, he says that whatever a person thinks, whether high or base, of God will determine what they do, the decisions that they make in their lives, whether it's an individual or whether it's a group of people. And I think, therefore, the necessity for us to know God more and more, not, not just to know Scripture to repeat it, but to dive deep into God's word to know him more is necessary for us to make decisions, whether the little decisions in life or whether they're great decisions in life. The more we know God and who he is, the better decisions we'll make, the better, the better lives we'll lead for the purpose of glorifying him. And I think searching who the Holy Spirit is is definitely part of that. And I don't think we should neglect that person of the Trinity. Any thoughts or we got ten minutes, so any thoughts or experiences or questions or surely I'm not the only person that's dealt with <laughs> Yes. I want to congratulate you on standing firm in the workplace because that can be a tough arena to uh, uh, <coughs> share your faith and, and to stay with what you know is right. You were talking to people of different faiths. When, when you come back to the Word, you know that that's where things are stable. They're not shifting around. They're not feelings. They're not what somebody thinks. And so uh, it's always uh, a good thing to go back to the Word. You know, if somebody asks you a question or they say, I think this, 
okay, where, where are you getting that? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was definitely, um, it has definitely been an experience for sure. Uh, when um, uh, just uh, personally, not that it, not that it matters, um, when I decided that I needed to understand scripture and theology a little more, I thought, well, God is going to call me to be a pastor of a church one day. And uh, not audibly, by the way, uh, he made it pretty clear that uh, the ministry that I was being prepared for was the place where I was, much to my, you know, disappointment. <laughs> but it, ha- it, has been, it has been great to be able to, to do that, you know, to be able to speak truth to, to folks who have a misunderstanding or, or don't even have the knowledge of who God is and who Christ is and the truth of God's word. Yeah, for sure. Any, anyone else have any like, experiences that they, they dealt with in, in this particular thing? I mean, I just find that stuff is so intriguing uh, and encouraging when you hear about other people who have, who have dealt with that. Because it, it, is, it is actually an, an overwhelming majority in, in America. As a matter of fact, that, <clears throat> that false teaching uh, has become what is synonymous for Christian, American Christianity and we are exporting that to every country because they are the majority. They are the ones that are going out and they're introducing you know, these false teachings to places in Africa or Southeast Asia. And, um, I mean, we have, we have some neighbors that attend a Assemblies of God church. And, you know, there's no, not, not that we're trying to make enemies of our neighbors, but there's no, there's no common ground when it comes to, to that aspect of our of our faith we might agree that jesus is god and that he died on the cross and that he rose again three days later and that we have salvation in christ but after that we start to separate and that gulf gets pretty wide the closer we get to understanding the holy spirit all right let me pray us out of here and uh we can all everybody you're welcome to stick around and i would would love to meet everyone and we don't know everyone here so all right father we just thank you so much for the truth of your word lord to know who you are more and more lord i ask that you would um, that you would give each of us a desire to seek after you in your word to rely on the illumination of your spirit lord that lives in us that he would guide us to all truth lord i pray that you would be with us as we go through the day. Lord, help us to uh, focus in service and to learn and uh, seek after you even more through your, the preaching of your word, Lord. And I uh, just thank you, Father, that you have promised that where two or more are gathered together, Lord, that you are here with us in our midst. And uh, we praise you, Lord, and thank you, Father, for all you've done, especially the salvation that we have in you. In Christ's name, amen. All right.